We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. See, God gives to all freely. Freely. So God is not hiding his will for you. Like he's not like a cosmic Easter bunny who's hidden his will for you in these eggs that you got to somehow locate and find. You don't have to geocache God's will, okay? Um, It's not like hidden in a Judean hillside somewhere. No, rather he has made readily known to us his wisdom. He has given us everything that leads to life through the witness of the Holy Scriptures, his Holy Spirit, and the testimony of his church. These are three witnesses, and they're absolutely free. Literally, literally free. There are many people who paid for us to have our English version of the Bible with their lives. That's true. But for us now, where we live, it's free. And so I want to tell you that if you don't have a Bible... We happily would give you a Bible. If your kids don't have a Bible, we have Bible for kids. If your teenager doesn't have a Bible, we have Bibles for teenagers. And if you're listening to this online, I can tell you that we will send you a Bible. All you have to do is text Hope VIP to 94000 and just say you want a Bible and we will get it to you in the mail. Um, but if you're a digital person and you like digital, you can always get the YouVersion Bible app. Down, you can download it now. This is a QR code that's going to stay on the screen for a few minutes. Um, you can literally download the YouVersion Bible app and jump on there and have a place to connect with other people, a place to read plans, um, and a place to read the Bible in any version probably that you can think of, except for Andrew Goss's. It's a book. Um, but it's amazing, this app, and it's free, right? That's amazing. I literally um, have a relationship with some people in Bangladesh, um, and they speak Bengali, And one of the coolest things I get to do is copy and paste verses that I want to send to them in the Bengali language and paste it into my Facebook messenger and send him, this is what the word of the Lord said to me to say to you in your native tongue, right? How cool is that, that we can communicate that way? God, there's an amazing verse in the Bible that says, God's word is not chained. God's word is not changed. And that's Paul writing it, saying, from prison, I might be changed, but the word of God is not chained. And we have no chains on the word of God now. I digress. All right. I could preach about that for a minute. The second thing I want you to know is God is never tempted to do wrong. Okay? And he never tempts anybody else to do wrong either. God does not tempt people. James says it this way. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Listen, God is completely holy and righteous, far beyond what we can understand. There is no, no evil in him. He is pure goodness, and there is no impurity that is in him or can come from him. It's just not going to happen. It's who he is. Impurity only comes from two sources, and we're going to cover those two sources in just a little bit. Number three, God gives good and perfect gifts in alignment with his precisely created, uh, calculated creation. This is one of my favorite breakdowns of this verse. It says, every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. This is interesting because he says, Father of heavenly lights. That's not used in the Bible except for in this passage. The Father of heavenly lights. So what I feel like James is calling attention to is pointed out by a man named Paul Bartz in an article called The Precision Designed Universe. Think about this with me as I read. The solar system clearly has not been thrown together by chance. The precision with which the solar system is designed is far greater than anything man has ever manufactured. Consider that many stars, perhaps most stars, vary in their energy output much more than does our star, the sun. Our sun varies in its energy output by less than one-tenth of one percent. Life would be impossible on a planet orbiting many, if not most, other stars. In addition, our distance from the sun is very precisely set to favor life on Earth. Even the size and portion of the Earth's moon support Genesis. Genesis records that God made two great lights, one with the purpose of ruling over the day and one with the purpose over ruling the night. The apparent size of these bodies from Earth is clearly an important factor in this position of rulership. Yet they appear to be the same size, even though the sun is exactly 400 times larger than the moon. This is because the moon is almost exactly 400 times closer than the sun. This precise relationship means that the earth may be the only place in the universe where one can see a total eclipse of a star like the sun. God is the precise creator of the heavenly lights. That means that there is nothing that isn't precise in what he does. He made atoms and he knows and can number them. He has every detail in creation of the galaxy in which he placed us. And if he took that much care to create the universe so precisely, then we can safely say that he gives perfect gifts out of his goodness. He really does. Number four, James tells us that God does not change. He does not change. It says in James 1.17, who does not change like the shifting shadows? So he doesn't even cast a shadow. One of my favorite promises of God is in the book of Revelations. Don't get freaked out by Revelations, guys. I know it's weird in some kind of its apocalyptic language, but there's some promises in there that you need to know and carry into your life. And this is one of those. In, in Revelation, it describes the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus is going to bring with him. He ushers it in and they tell us about this new city of Jerusalem. It says that it has no need of the sun or moon for glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb, that's Jesus, is its light. God is so good and he is perfect light that in the new heaven, in the new earth, that you arrive in, that you get recreated in when Jesus calls this all into being. At the end of all time, there's the judgment and then we have the new heaven and earth come. He is the light. There's no need of it. We don't need the sun or the moon because God's light fills every nook and cranny of heaven. 
That is the good God. And that means there is no shadow with God. He has been the same from the beginning, the father of heavenly lights. So he will always be the light of the world, both in this present state and in the future when we follow Jesus Christ. He will be the father of heavenly lights now in your life and tomorrow in your life. And when you pass from this life, he will be the light guiding you home. His resurrection guarantees a new life. And that is exciting. And that is a promise of God's character that will carry you in the darkness. Because at the end of the day, you know when your faith is in Jesus and you believe what he said, that you are good forever. That's amazing. I love that. I just want to hang out with Jesus in heaven. This is going to be the coolest thing ever. Man. All right. I get excited about that. So the Lord, five, the fifth point that James wants us to know about God is that the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. How many times have you heard or had somebody paint a picture of God for you that he's this angry man that is waiting to bop you over the head when you do something wrong? How many times have we been told when we don't follow the precise things that somebody wants us to do that God is waiting to get you or somehow that something bad that has happened to you is the result of your sin and God is punishing you somehow. But here James says this, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. And you can see the Lord was kind to him at the end for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You see, Job had to endure some serious, serious trials but he remained steadfast in spite of everything in his world falling apart. His family, his livelihood, his spouse, his friends, everybody turned against him. And then finally he lost his health too. James uses Job for a reason. Job was fervent in expressing his immense pain to God. He did not mince words with God. He said, come down here and let's have a conversation because I'm suffering. And I, I don't like this. And in the end, the mercy of God restored what was lost. But here's where I struggle with the book of Job. Let's just be honest for a minute. I struggle because when I think about Job, I think about the loss of his children. He loses all children, all of his children. I think there's 10 in one day. And I'm like, that's not fair. God, why would you do that? I don't understand this. And then I'm reminded of some things about God. You see, he loses all these kids in a tragic accident. And when I wrestle with this loss, lamenting what feels like an unfair sentence of those adult children, I recall that Luke reminds us that to him, our creator and sustainer, Jesus says this, Now the Lord is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to God... All of them are alive. Jesus said that. You might have glossed over this passage whenever you've read Luke before, but I want you to take a look and know that our loved ones may be dead to us, but to God they're not dead. 
to the one who is eternal and exists outside of our knowledge of time and space, all are alive. So that is a great comfort. Our loved ones, they have changed, right? They have entered into a new phase of being a phase that God sees even if we can't. There is more to life and death than the mind can understand. And Jesus said, now the Lord is the God of the, not, not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to God, all of them are alive. That's an amazing truth. God is sovereign and his children were lost to Job for some time, but they were not lost to God. God knew right where all of his kids were. God knew where they were. When you can remember that God sees all as though they are alive, you can have faith in what happens when the worst happens. I love this passage, and for me, it has brought me immense hope for the times that we have lost people that are precious to us. When I think about Jared or my grandparents or my husband's brother, I know that I know that they have God's attention. He knows them and he knows where they are. They're not lost to him. They might be lost to me, but they're not lost to him. And that gives me a great comfort. So realizing these truths about the nature of God and the character of God from a man, James, acquainted with both Judaism and intimate uh, in connection to Christ. Like it doesn't get much closer than a bro, right? We recognize who we are putting our faith in, right? Uh, what to expect from him and what ways he expects us to respond as people. Now in the Greek, it's called ekklesia. And we translate that word to church, but ekklesia actually means the called out ones. When we put our faith in Christ, we are called out. We are separate and we are different and that's amazing. So here's how we apply this to our everyday lives. We're going to go jump back into James and read James 1, 12 through 15. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Remember, we talked about judgment. Judgment will come. And those who have not placed their faith in Christ will be judged. What did you do with my son, Jesus? If you don't have an answer for that, judgment will come to you. And that means that you will fall into the second death. And then you will be gone. That's it. It's for you. Okay? Um, that's the reality. That's what the Bible teaches. Um, when tempted, James goes on to say, No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown gives birth to death. Number one, I want you to write it down. God will help you pass the test. Having stood the test, now here's something interesting. The word test and approved is actually tested and approved in the Greek, okay? And that is related to being accepted. And it particularly means, uh, has relation to money and coins, which I find interesting. So I had to look into it. And this is what Donald Barnhouse shares with us about this Greek word tested and approved. 
You see, in the ancient world, there was no banking system as we know it today, okay? Um, no paper money. All money was made from metal, heated until liquid, and then poured into molds and allowed to be cooled. So when the coins are cooled, um, they then have to be smoothed off of the uneven edges. And the coins were comparatively soft, and of course, many people would shave them real close. <laughs> they would shave them even more and take the metal and make it less worth, but you couldn't really tell it because it was shaved off. So they would, uh, they would really, really begin to cheat people. So in one century, more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of whittling down coins in circulation. It was a big problem. But some money changers were men of integrity. Men of integrity. It's important. Who would accept no counterfeit money. And they were men of honor who put only genuine full weight money into circulation. Such men were called the approved or dokamos. And these would be, uh, this is the word that's used here for Christians and how we're supposed to be seen by the world. We're supposed to be seen as people of integrity, not willing to shave off anything. God's free gift to all is not only wisdom and guidance when we ask it, but it's the strength to persevere and be approved, a person of integrity, accepting no counterfeits. No counterfeits, not of God and not of his character. When somebody comes knocking at your front door, offering some other gospel or anything else, you could say, no, I'm sorry. That is a counterfeit. And I know what's true. Because my pastor told me that in James, <laughs> and you can tell him to call me. I'll help him out. Um, so the crown of life is promised to those who love the Lord. The crown is given and we are granted eternal life in the new heaven and earth. In verse 13 and 14, after James highlights God's character is not the cause of temptation, he plainly states that we are tempted by our own desires and dragged away. The word picture here is interesting. It's hunting and fishing as game is lured from its hiding place. So we are allured from the safety of self-restraint to sin. So when you're hunting and fishing, what do you do? You put out bait. And then you take the bait and you get drug away. And it leads to death. And this is the word picture James uses. Verse 15 tells us that desire entices us and our action springs the trap. We take the dumb bait, right? But it comes from within. Um, and I love that he wants us to know that desire is a desire especially for what is forbidden. If it is forbidden, man, it just makes it all the more tempting. Oh, I know that's not right. I shouldn't do that. And then it's like exactly what you want, like Walker shortbread cookies at 3 a.m. Alfie Adams, right? It's killing me with these cookies. That's a minute one. Um, listen, all sin in its infantile form looks harmless. I have heard parents refer to sinful behavior in their children as cute. But when unchecked, that sinful behavior will become a serious problem when the child is full grown. 
so, so serious. And if you're too busy to pay attention, not to pay attention to the small desires you find yourself dying spiritually, and oftentimes this can also lead to physical death. Your unchecked desires, the bait that you take, will lead to your ultimate demise, spiritually, mentally, and eventually physically if it's not checked. I've seen it. It's terrible, okay? The other way temptation comes to us is through the enemy. We know this enemy is Satan, and he was a fallen angel, but the Bible calls him the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren or the Christians, and he is responsible for tempting even Jesus during his wilderness fast. So James then reminds us of this. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heaven lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. In God's perfectly created world, precise and fine-tuned, he chose to give us birth in direct opposition to the death that our sin brings. So we get enticed and we get trapped, but then Jesus comes to set us free and give us a new life and new birth. Sin leads to death, but Christ leads to new birth. And I love that James highlights this. God's word through Jesus Christ, who is truth, makes us a first fruit, an offering holy and acceptable to God. It's only through Jesus Christ that we receive this gift because Jesus Christ was the perfect spotless son of God, and in the, in, in the biblical uh, context, in the first covenant, you had to sacrifice the first fruits, the first of your crop, the first of your lambs, the first of your bulls. It was the first that mattered. And it was God's firstborn son that was sacrificed on your behalf. His life for our freedom gives us new life through birth. So when you trust God is the giver of good gifts and does not change, you can persevere through every single test and trial. You can hold fast um, to what is happening in your life because you have the one who is good and his plan and promises span all of eternity. That is a faith you can put in when everything around you is changing, when the waves are tossed in your life and when you keep your eyes on Jesus and his love, you will not be deceived. You have to keep focus. Here's what I want you to know and write this down if you can. God's love and his good gifts keep us focused and faithful amidst life's cacophony of options. How many options are we presented with every day? But if you stay focused on God's love, you can make it through. You're going to make it through. All right, number two, God will give you freedom. Yes, God will give you freedom. Uh, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed um, in what they do. This is what N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians says. Uh, he's the cutest little British guy ever. Um, and here he says this, here James uses an interesting illustration. In his day, there were of course no photographs. Hardly anyone had a portrait painted and not many people possessed mirrors either. So if you did happen to catch sight of yourself, you might well forget at once what you look like. 
That's what it's like, James says. For some, when they hear God's word, a quick glance, oh yes, they think, that's interesting. And then they forget it straight away and carry on as before. Notice that James uses the phrase, look intently. Your faith requires an intent look into God's word. In other words, let the Bible read you. When you read the Bible and when you examine the words of God, you're not just merely reading something. Allow his word to examine your life. In this way, we hold ourselves up to the mirror of God's law. And we see our character and begin to do what we must to accurately reflect what we see in that perfect mirror of Jesus Christ. It's important. When James uses the word, word law, he is not, not talking about the law of Moses. James was one of the leaders of the church of Jerusalem and was writing to a very Jewish audience very Jewish audience, who knew all about the law. More importantly, though, he was writing to Christians about what it means to live out our faith in Christ. James is not calling believers to see a legalistic rule-following as a path to being blessed. He is writing to people who believe that Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses by obeying it perfectly himself. It's in that we place our trust. Because impo it's impossible for me to keep the law. Okay? It's impossible for me to keep all of the 365 Levitical laws. It is impossible for me to do that. But in Christ, I have the hope that because he did, and I put my faith in him, I am living out the perfect law. In Christ, the word has been planted in us. That's the word we hear and obey because we trust our Father. The word is the perfect law, the law of the love of Christ. And that is what brings freedom. When you love Jesus, you are set free. And you can gain freedom from sin and temptation through the power of Jesus' Spirit, retreating, recreating you every day. When you open and continually study, intently looking into the Word of God, um, you will see your attitudes, actions, behaviors, and identity of God. And when you apply it, it will change your life. So know the character of God. Know and apply it to your life. Look into the perfect law that gives freedom. So this morning, um, I want you to be challenged to create a reading plan, whether it's a new version Bible app or you find one that you can print from online. Make sure it's from a credible source. Wesleyan.org is credible, okay? <laughs> um, you can create a reading plan, and then I, I challenge you to stick to it. Look intently into the Word of God, and, and you will see things that you've never seen before. I challenge you. Write your questions down and take it. It's amazing. All right, so in closing, I just want to invite you. If you have never, ever thought about eternity or thought about Jesus or looked at God in these ways, and maybe you've had somebody tell you God is something other than what I've just presented to you, merciful, faithful, loving, given us provision, wants you free. If you've never received Jesus in that way before, I want to invite you to pray with me and accept Jesus. And if you accept Jesus today, I would love for you to scan the QR code that's going to be on the screen um, while we're praying together or after we pray together. Um, and I want you to connect 
we're not going to say anything weird to you. We're just going to text you and say, hey, we're so happy. And then we were going to invite you to a reading plan, a, a reading plan that's going to help you unpack who Jesus is and know him a little bit better. Um, and I'll complete it with you, or Alfie will complete it with you if you're a dude. Um, and so just know that, that that is available to you. And if you're here and you need to recommit your life, you're like, man, I had Jesus at one point. And I had a relationship with God maybe when I was little or I heard it in Sunday school. And you're like, man, I want to reconnect. You can do that as well. So I'm going to pray over us. And while I pray over us, we're going to have the salvation QR code and the recommitment QR code. Please take advantage of that. Um, and I promise you, you'll be so grateful that you did that. So let me pray with you. Father, for those of us who need to receive you Maybe we have just never understood the gospel in the way it's been presented today. Maybe we've never understood that you're good or that you're merciful and faithful and loving. Maybe today we just realize for the first time that we want eternity in the new heaven and earth and we know that you are the way. Jesus, we ask that you would receive us and help us believe. Help us to wrestle our doubts to the ground and put our faith wholly in you. We're going to take the first step today and say, Jesus, come on in to our life. We're going to look intently into your word and we're going to ask you to read our lives and help us to step into the freedom that comes when we don't follow the bait, when we don't let temptation roll over us and run over us. God, we want to live, really, really live. So we're saying yes to you today. We're saying that's me. I am the one who is going to say yes that's me. I need to accept Jesus today. If that's you and you're listening online or you're here and, and you just don't have the QR code thing working for you, you can text that's me to 94,000. And this morning, if you're looking to recommit, I want to pray over you too. God, we just know that sometimes things get jumbled up and things get presented to us in a way that's not factual. So God, we ask that you would help us as we recommit our lives to you. Help us to recommit uh, to following you, to look intently again into your word and help us to find freedom and joy in the midst of anything that happens in our lives. Help us to be focused on you and to be steadfast and immovable about sin so that we can have freedom, real freedom in you. God, we recommit our life today. We say, I'm back. I'm coming back. I'm back, God. And we just come home to you. If that's you this morning, you can text I'm back to 94,000, no hyphenations, no apostrophes, no anything like that. And we will make sure that you get connected to a Bible study that helps you return to the Father and to learn more about Jesus. Father, we ask that you would just bless us and help us as we move through this week. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.